This is the Point of Drew Podcast. point of Druthers. You know what it is. We are back. You got Barton here with me. How's it going, Barton? It's going well, Z. Good to be here. Um, crazy divisional weekend just wrapped up and it did not disappoint. Uh, saw a lot of good football. Yeah, there's just definitely some good football. There was uh, some nervous football as well. I know both of us uh, got a little antsy watching the uh, Chiefs barely hang on there. Um, but we're gonna we'll cover it all. We'll uh, you know we're gonna give you guys a recap of what we saw in the divisional round, hit on all four of those games, um, kind of look ahead into uh, the conference championship next game uh, next weekend, and then uh, some fun mailbag. We got some good questions from uh, some listeners thrown in today. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, so, some some interesting talking points from uh, from the listeners in the mailbag. So I appreciate you guys. Um, sending in the questions and and yeah let's just get right into it um we'll start things off as always jersey corner number 18 z who you got man 18 was tough uh you know i think a lot of people probably already know who we're gonna pick because it's the the one player that pops into your mind when you think of number 18 um and the rest are just kind of knowing that really deserves to be in the conversation so uh you know i came up with a couple honorable mentions um, like Dave Cowens, the the legendary Celtic center. Uh, he played mostly in the 70s, kind of like before the Larry Bird era, um, and then kind of joined Larry for the last like four years of his career. But, uh, you know, great Celtics player. Uh, another shout out to Daryl Strawberry. Um, he, was a, he was a fun baseball player, played for the Mets, the Yanks, Dodgers, Giants, eight-time All-Star, four-time champ. Um, and the last uh, shout out I had is the uh, the legend, the the man, the myth himself, Phil Jackson. Back in his uh, playing career, his two championships he won with the Knicks. He was repping number eighteen. So, uh, you know, Phil gets a little love for this jersey corner. Uh, if he wore any other number, I don't think he'd be making the list. But uh, for eighteen, I'm giving uh, Phil Jackson a little shout out there. But any honorable mentions for you? Yeah, absolutely. I love the Phil mention, too. Um, you can't miss him. I didn't even know he wore 18, but um, just seeing Phil in the short shorts back in the day, um, getting it done, seeing him coach for so many years after, too, and become grow into such a legend, that's a, definitely worth a, an honorable mention. Um, for me, yeah, again, struggled with 18 quite a bit. Uh, very, very weak number um, in terms of athletes. So, guys, step your game up. Uh, any athletes listening out there that – are up and coming. Uh, please put on 18. There's a, it's a quick way to the top. If, if you guys are interested, um, an honorable mention that I have, uh, Jacob Hester, uh, the longtime halfback fullback for, uh, for the LSU Tigers. Um, LSU has a little bit of like they do with seven, 18 is a tradition where, uh, kind of a, an important player gets elected to wear 18. Um, and so he wore that for all, he was actually the only guy to, with that tradition to wear for all four years during his time at LSU was part of that national championship team in 07. Um, his most famous play was the game winner, uh, a rush with like 69 seconds left against Florida. 
um, to beat Tebow and those guys in the swamp. So that was, that was pretty epic. Um, but other than him, I mean, the only other guy, and it's another Homer pick, but um, none, the only other person that wasn't on your list would be Brett Saberhagen, um, the longtime Royal, uh, the pitcher. Um, we never really saw him play, but uh, was a great um, from Kansas City. So figured I'd shout him out as well. But that really makes up all my honorable mentions. Um, didn't have much to, much to pull from here. Yeah, uh, I mean, I agree with you. Not a, not a lot of names to pull from, but I do like the Saberhagen shout out. That's a good pick there. Um, but in terms of the winner for 18, uh, you all probably guessed it. It's Peyton Manning. He is absolutely uh, undeniably the best to ever wear number 18, and it's really not even close. 14-time uh, Pro Bowler, seven-time first-team All-Pro, five-time NFL MVP, which is incredible, and a two-time Super Bowl champion. So, um, you know, he just like a lot of the quarterbacks that have already won the Jersey Corner Award, and like Brady, we had a uh, um, Joe Montana won it, um, and Manning's right there in that group with those guys as well. Uh, is one of the five best quarterbacks the sport has ever seen. So Peyton Manning, hands down, the best athlete to wear number eighteen. Anything different on your end? No, it's got to be Peyton. He's really the only guy who deserves to be the best at 18. Um, like you were saying, regarded as one of the goats with with Brady, with Montana, with Elway, right up there with him. Really the thing that sets him apart, his big act is the, the five NFL MVPs. Um, that's the most ever by by two. So um, that's really his his uh, his the main case for him as, as the greatest quarterback to ever do it. I think Brady's got him with all the rings. He's only got two, but um, for the purposes of being the best at 18, I think Peyton Manning's got it pretty locked up. Yep. I'm right there with you. So unanimous three of the last four we've given out have been unanimous. Uh, we went Mahomes for 15, Montana, 16, Different on 17, but back agreeing again on another quarterback, Peyton Manning, the best to ever wear, the number 18. That's it for Jersey Corner. We're going to be right back, and we'll, uh, we'll tell you what happened this weekend with the NFL divisional round of the playoffs. Uh, some fun stuff to cover there. But first, as always, a word from our friends over at Shug's Bagels. All right, before we get into uh, the show, I wanted to take a minute and plug Point of Drew's first ever sponsor. Shug's Bagels. Based in uh, Dallas, Texas, right near beautiful SMU campus, Shug's has truly got everything you want and nothing you don't need. We're talking loaded breakfast sandwiches on the best bagels, rolls, and wraps you can find south of the Big Apple. Not to mention a number of other delicious options like lox, chicken cutlets, and just about every smear you can imagine. Personally, my go-to is the spicy Shug. On everything bagel, add avocado, oh, you got your standard bacon, egg, and cheese, but add a hash brown and hot sauce. Man, what a game changer. Getting a little, getting a little riled up even thinking about it. But, but seriously, guys, this place has been on absolute fire. So go throw them a follow on social media at Shug's Bagels. Go check them out in person um, right by SMU campus in Park City's Village. I promise you, you will not be sorry. They've got the point of Drew stamp of approval. Shug's Bagels. Go show them some love. They might just be the best bagel in all of Texas. Yep, you heard it here first. All right, Barton, let's dive into it. Divisional round of the playoffs. 
just recap uh, this weekend. So to start things off, we saw the uh, first game of the weekend was the Packers against the Rams and the Packers beat the Rams 32 to 18. Aaron Rodgers was a beast, pretty much as simple as that to me. Uh, He had nearly 300 passing yards. He had a pair of touchdown tosses. Uh, you know, the presumptive league MVP got it done. But what did you see in that one? What are, what are some takeaways you had? Yeah, man, Packers went out and they did their thing. Uh, Rodgers was rolling. They scored points on their first five possessions. Uh, they protected really well against a, an elite unit in the defensive line. They gave up zero sacks to, to – I mean, Rams have been kind of regarded as the, maybe the best defensive line in the league. And so – um, at least their defense rating out as, as number one overall. And so with not giving up any sacks, being able to score um, on every single possession, at least to start the game, those first five, that's that's really what got the game done for them. They jumped out up early. I think they got up 25 to 10 and then never really looked back. Rodgers was, was doing his thing. Of course, somehow finds Adams in the end zone for a TD. I don't know how he wasn't double the whole game some get, always catches a ball in the end zone, but uh, Rogers uses legs for one as well. And um Man, the Packers just look like a more complete team. We kind of knew Goff and the Rams were likely to, you know, they'd have to kind of play a perfect game. And, and Goff did play pretty well. I will say as, as much slander as Goff has gotten by me on the show, he did play, um, you know, pretty well, 21 and 27 for 174 and a TD. That's, that's not a bad stat line. He didn't look bad. Uh, the ball was coming out fine uh, with the thumb. And so Rams were able to keep it close for most of the game. Uh, we're down, uh, I think, one score with uh well into the third it's just Packers and and Rodgers were too good when it came down to it yeah exactly and like you mentioned the Packers did they got out to that 25 to 10 lead the Rams did cut it to uh to seven so it was a one score game at the end of the third um but the comeback was just really never gonna happen uh that first possession of the fourth quarter the Packers marched down the field and scored to put the game away and uh you know no one no one scored after that so um, you know, good fight from the Rams and great season for the Rams, but they just ran into what looks like the best team in the NFC and and maybe the best quarterback in the league. Um, definitely in the NFC side of things. So Packers rolled, they look good. Um, and in the second game, this was uh the game I was looking forward to most coming into this weekend. I was pumped about that this matchup. Thought we would see a, a duel between two young, fun quarterbacks and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Um, but we really did not see much of an offensive game. The Bills ended up beating the Ravens 17-3. to um, You know, really, the, the Ravens did kind of dominate this game in terms of total yards and time of possession. Uh, but it just did not translate to the outcome. Um, but w- what was your takeaway from this one? My main takeaway was that uh, I came out on top and officially in the, the Jalen Lamar debate <laughs> you and I have been having. Uh, I thought I thought Jalen was just good enough to to win. Obviously, the the defense helped him out quite a bit, but it was more about Lamar not making the right plays. Obviously, the pick six aside, which is is pretty tough to forgive. I mean, just not not a good decision, and and really 
resulted in the worst possible outcome, but um, didn't play well. Otherwise they really limited him on the ground and made him throw and uh, just wasn't able to find his guys downfield for most of the game and, and just not really able to get anything going offensively and a bills team where you, they people have been able to run on them uh, in the past. They've given up rushing yards. So uh, I didn't like what I saw out of Lamar. Um, Jalen wasn't spectacular either, but uh, you know, ultimately he didn't have to do that much in this one just because the bills really shut down the Ravens. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was definitely a pretty rough Lamar Jackson game. And I mean, you touched on it, but to start that third quarter, um, you know, I think I think it was three, three at halftime. And then to start that third quarter, the Bills marched down the field, scored a touchdown to go up seven. Um, The Ravens came back, drove all the way down the field, looked like they were about to score and tie it up. But in the red zone, Lamar Jackson threw that killer pick six. Um, and once the Bills went up 17-3, there's just no coming back for Baltimore. Um, and you mentioned it, Lamar couldn't find the guys downfield. He was struggling to run the ball. Um, you know, credit to the Bills' defense as well, but you did. I'll give it to you, man. You won the uh, this episode of the uh, Lamar-Josh Allen debate. I'll give it to you and your boy Jalen. Um, it's not over. I think these uh, these two guys could have a, a long rivalry against each other, but hundred uh, percent. For and, now, uh, it looks like Jalen's got the uh, the leg up. Yeah, uh, he 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 does, and he's headed Bills Mafia. Congrats to them on heading to the, the AFC title game. The only thing I want to say on that that performance by the Ravens, just that I mean, the pick six obviously was the the game changer, and I haven't really seen a pick six that backbreaking since uh since the Super Bowl when um I think it was the Broncos Seahawks Malcolm Smith picked off Manning on like a wobbler and took that back and that basically ended the game the same thing kind of happened here Ravens are are marching truly about to tie it up at 10 um after kind of struggling to move the ball all day Justin Tucker misses two kicks so uncharacteristic it was kind of like a just an off day for the team in general. And then Lamar makes that mistake. Uh, Johnson take, takes it 101 yards to the house. And at 17-3 at that point, there's just no coming back. So tough, tough L for the Ravens. Your Ravens, man, I'm sure they'll be back. They still got a great roster. They still, Lamar, there's still time um, for him to improve. But yeah, Bills, who I think uh, really deserve it, they move on to the AFC title. Yep, you're right. Shout out to Bills Mafia. They deserve this one. Uh, you know, they, they have some of the best fans in the world. So Bills Mafia, enjoy it because uh, this is fun. The Bills are definitely a fun team right now. Um, but moving on to the Sunday games, the the first game we saw on Sunday uh, was the one I, I was talking about uh, us being nervous, man. It got really close. But the Chiefs held on to beat the Browns. Final score of 22-17. to 17, um, A five-point win for the Chiefs. The big story in this one, though, was the uh, Pat Mahomes injury. He goes down in the uh, third quarter on a pretty scary play. Uh, it was a little weird because we didn't see a, a hard hit to the head. Um, but it was clear that as soon as he, he couldn't even figure out how to get his feet back under him when he stood up. He was shaking and it did not look pretty. Um, so that, that was the big story and really the scare for the Chiefs. Uh, I did see a report according to uh, Carrington Harrison of 610 Sports, a KC radio guy. Um, a source told him that Patrick has passed all of his tests last night. Um, and he didn't actually hit his head. What they're saying is there was uh, 
a nerve in his neck that got tweaked that uh, like made him out of it. And uh, he's getting tested and getting everything done for his neck and the nerve today. Um, but did clear every single test he went through last night. So uh, positive signs for Mahomes. Looks like, uh, you know, hopefully he'll be good. But man, that was a scary sight. Um, but regardless of that, the Chiefs did still hold on to to win the game and move on to the uh, the AFC uh, championship game where they've been the last two years and are now there hosting it for the third year in a row. Well, what did you see from our Chiefs and, and what are your takeaways from the game? Yeah, super, super scary moment for Mahomes there going out, leaving the game. Uh, and like you mentioned, it was not even like he really hit his head. Anyone who was saying he's hit his head, it didn't. I didn't ever see that. Um, so it was a curious concussion. But um, Carrington with the scoop, we appreciate you, man, um, <laughs> getting us the, the lowdown on that. That's important to know that our, our guy Pat's um, passing some tests. But uh, back to the game, man. I mean, really, this one was a tale of two halves. Mahomes um, did his thing in the first half. He was in his bag, started the game 11 for 12 with, uh, with two touchdowns. It was, it was almost perfect. I mean, just yeah. carving up the, uh, the Browns D felt really comfortable. Um, if, it, I mean, the Chiefs pretty much played, I thought a, a perfect first half if it weren't for Bucker, um, deciding to basically shank an extra point and then miss another field goal as well. So, um, I thought really well played first half and then second half Mahomes actually get, hurts his toe. Um, kind of early in that third and, and it pretty hobbled from then on out and, and until he actually leaves the game with the concussion. So um, really that whole second half, even when Mahomes is playing, um, you know, you're kind of holding your breath. It's just uneasy as a fan. Uh, and then, of course, when he goes out and the game gets put in, in Chad Henney's hands, um, at that point, you're just – it goes from like a quiet hope to just, you know, just hope – hoping and praying at that point that Haney doesn't throw a, a, a Hail Mary into the end zone and get picked off every play like he uh, he made there one time. So it's uh, – I'm very impressed with the Chiefs to pull it out. There's a lot of different things to get us there. I thought there were some unreal games out of uh, out of Tyree Kale, out of Travis Kelsey, out of Tyron Matthew. Um, they all came up big. Those guys are really our leaders. And so when Pat goes down – um, you know, they got to pick up the slack. I thought Matthew was magnificent, you know, with in the run game, getting outside, forcing Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt inside um, really was a, a key in the run defense uh, and our ability in the Chiefs ability to, to stop those guys. And um, even, of course, dirty Dan Sorensen with maybe um, it was potentially a targeting call, but arguably made the play of the game um, when he when he hit Higgins there on the goal line and forced a, a fumble out of bounds and a touchback. So a lot of the uh, the usual suspects for the Chiefs making plays, and um, I'm glad they're able to pull it out, Henny getting the job done with, with the Andy Reid play calling there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it seemed like the Browns were really starting to figure things out in that second half. Uh, they got more involved in the run game, I thought, and were, um, you know, kind of driving down the field. And I – I was nervous because it did seem to me like the Browns had it figured out. Um, but what it came down to at the end of the game was just the guts the Chiefs had with, uh, you know, Henny had that, you know, 13-yard run where he dove trying to get the extra yard for the fourth down. I mean, just an incredible play. And then that final play where the Chiefs sealed it on the fourth and one, uh, you know, the balls that they had to go out there and, and pass the ball and – you know, say, Hey, we're, you know, we're going to run our offense and trust our offense, even with a backup quarterback in there to go out and make the throw, get the first down. 
you know, ballsy call, but man, it paid off. And, and it's fun to, to root for a team who is willing to bet on their offense, is willing to, you know, keep the game in their hands and say, hey, we're deciding if we win the game or lose the game, we're not going to punt it to you and, and give you a chance. We're going to go out there and take it. And so right. I love that from the Chiefs, but yeah, it was close, but we're moving on, man. We did it. We are, we're back. The genius of that play call, man, and the the nuts on Andy Reid. I, I just fucking love that guy. I mean, oh, yeah. it was it, pretty, I would say the Chiefs' most unstoppable play, having Tyreek run that out. I mean, just no one can outflank him there. So just get him the ball quick. He can get a yard. And even better, um, in that situation, you think you run down the clock and either try and draw him offsides, call a timeout, maybe run, maybe snap a play with a second left. They really caught him off balance with uh, snapping the ball with five seconds left on that playcock. They had no idea, um, which made it even harder to, to get Hill on the ground. And so um, genius, genius stuff out of Andy Reid. I'm excited. Uh, we're moving on for the, uh, for the second year, I guess third year. Yeah, and then the final game of the weekend, the Bucks went into New Orleans and beat the Saints, final score of 30-20. to 20. Uh, You know, the final game of Drew Brees' career. And uh, he was not able to go out on a high note. A very ugly game from Breeze. Um, you know, he finished the game 19 of 34 for 134 yards, uh, one TD, but three interceptions. Uh, so a really rough one for Breeze in his uh, finale. Uh, on the other hand, Brady, he played well. The stats for Brady weren't a ton better for Breeze, but Brady did have two touchdowns and no interceptions. At the end of the day, those turnovers were costly for the Saints, and uh, the Bucks took advantage. Yeah, you hate to see Drew Brees hang. He hasn't said he's officially hanging up, but all signs are pointing to his career being over, and you hate to see him go out like that. Uh, such a legend, such a good dude, such a great career, but not his best game. Um like you mentioned, this really came down to the turnover battle, which the Saints turned it over four times. The Bucks turned it over zero. That was ultimately I, – I will say that I was so impressed. The Bucks defense, we've seen really a, a lot of different performances. They've been bad. They've been okay. They've been great. Uh, this was a great performance out of them. Devin White, getting him back was such a game changer. He was a monster. He had a pick and a uh, fumble recovery. I thought that Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, play where he punched the ball out on Jared Cook there um, down the stretch when they were down 20 to 13 to get the ball back and tie it up. That was maybe the play of the game, just such a heads up, heady play by a, uh, a, a safety like that. And so um, super impressed with the Bucks defense and feel bad for Breeze, but uh, <laughs> Brady, a lot of the times, whether he, like you mentioned, he didn't play great, but um, in these situations, he seems to just will his team to win. Yep. And, and, you know, that's what Brady does. He wills his team to win and they do win. They get it done. So the Bucs are moving on to the NFC championship game. Uh, so now I, I wanted to look ahead at what we've got next week. Um, you know, this past weekend with our picks, uh, I think you went four of four. I, uh, I went three of four. I missed the uh, Bills Ravens game, but uh, I think you picked them all right. And uh, so now our, our matchups in the uh, conference championship games, we have uh, Sunday at 2 p.m., the Bucks at Packers. Packers going into this one as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, so we'll start with that one. I want to hear what your thoughts are on that game, if the Bucks have a shot, and, and who your pick is to win. 
it's uh it's an exciting one i'm obviously the marquee game you got brady rogers uh i don't even remember the last time these guys have played it seems like they've never really gotten a match up very often so we're in for a treat um first nfc title game in lambeau since 07 um so that's that's it's been a while since they've they've hosted one they've they actually have had played in three fairly recently at least in the, the last few years and have lost all of them so uh they're due i think the packers get this one done uh as much i i think i will be rooting for the bucks um i i kind of want to see I'd love to see Brady just defy all odds and, and prove Bill and Belichick and the Patriots wrong that he can go do it with another team. That would be pretty cool. But I do, I just think the Packers have too much here. Um, after watching them uh, for most of the season, it's just more, even though they, they did get their ass beat by, by the Bucks early this year, I think they're kind of just different places right now. And as long as Rodgers um, really doesn't shit the bed here, I think the Packers win. Uh, fairly uh fairly easily so i'd say i'd say packers by seven yeah i agree with you on the pick in terms of the the packers winning the game i i do think the packers are going to be the the better team and i think rogers i think rogers really wants to prove something this year and i think he's on a mission and won't be stopped um but with that said i i think it's going to be a closer game than seven points i'd actually take the bucks on this three and a half point spread um, I think the Bucks are going to really fight, keep it close. Um, and like we said, what Brady does against, you know, the Saints last week and what he's done his whole career is just will his teams find ways to keep them in it, keep it close, and even have a shot to win it at the end. It would not surprise me if, you know, we're watching a game and Brady has the ball with, you know, a minute and a half left and an opportunity to win. Um, and if that happens, I'd probably put the money on the Bucks, But – um, you know, just looking at the game from this standpoint, I am taking the Packers. I think the Packers get it done, and I think the Packers are heading to the Super Bowl. So that's where I stand with that one. And then uh, the later game on Sunday at 530 Central, the Bills visit, visiting Arrowhead Stadium, taking on the Chiefs, who are a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Thoughts there? Wow, Chiefs open up at four-and-a-half. That's That's higher than I was expecting. Um, I will say when it comes to that four and a half point spread, uh, that probably is a good sign for chiefs fans that the, uh, Vegas is expecting Mahomes to play to give the, the, the chiefs that kind of spread. So yep, maybe they know something that the public doesn't know yet. <laughs> right. Right. He, I mean, Mahomes should be ready to go. He should um, be, yeah. Mahomes. But there's it's interesting just to compare the two franchises in this game. This will be the the Chiefs, like you mentioned, we're hosting uh, third straight uh, AFC title game in Arrowhead, and for the Bills, this is their first AFC title game since the their appearance uh, in 1993 when they were in the they actually won four in a row and then unfortunately lost in the Super Bowl every time. So um, it's been forever for them. Chiefs have seemed to be there every year um, the last few. So very different, but I'm going to stick with what we know here and, and not do anything crazy. I'm going to go Chiefs. Um, I do think it will be very close, though, kind of like who has whoever has the ball last. Um, so I think we're going to see a little Mahomes magic. Four and a half seems maybe a little high, uh, so I would take Bills with that spread, but I'm taking the Chiefs to win in a tight one, maybe by field goal. Yeah, I like your thinking in terms of just not picking anything crazy here, sticking to what we know. We know who the Chiefs can be. 
We saw it in the first half last weekend. The Chiefs come out and play a full game like that. They won't be beat. Um, you know, the Bills have a shot, and the Bills have the tools and weapons, and they may be able to put t- together a game plan that will really make this thing close. But uh, I'm betting on Patrick Mahomes. I, uh, you know, put my faith in him. I put my faith on Andy Reid, a coach who's been in this position. Um, and so I am trusting the Chiefs to just get the job done by whatever means necessary. But I, I'm excited for this one. I think we'll see an awesome game from uh, Josh Allen in particular and the, the Bills offense. Um, I'm excited for it, but I, I think the Chiefs win. So uh, I, I think we're headed for a, a KC Green Bay Super Bowl. Yeah, for the if the Chiefs are gonna gonna get this done, they're gonna need another big performance by by Honey Badger, um, by Chris Jones, by Frank Clark, some of those guys, some of those leaders on the defense. Um, it has to it has to start with them if they have if they're gonna have a chance. So um, I and I do think one of one or all of them will 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 be stepping up in this game. Um, yeah, Brady Brady uh, Brady Rogers though. I think that one's got to be uh, the most exciting one to look forward to. Even though we got, it's interesting. It's you got the two old guys in the NFC and then the young guys in the AFC. And who, in terms of who may be taking over the league, so uh, another little narrative to watch there. Definitely, there's a lot to look forward to uh, next weekend. I'm excited. Uh, you know, there's still some good football left, and it's really coming down to the games that that obviously matter the most. So. We're locked in. I'm excited for it. Um, We do have a few more uh, NFL questions that came in through our mailbag. We'll answer those when we come right back. All right. Uh, Yeah, like uh, like you mentioned earlier, Barton, we appreciate you guys uh, submitting some questions for us to answer on the pod. you know, we had some good questions get thrown in and, uh, you know, I think we should just dive right into it. Does that sound good? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, the, the first question comes from the, the boy, Will Moss, um, you know, asking what the uh, destinations could look like for Deshaun Watson if the Texans do decide to trade him. We know Deshaun has uh, been upset with the Texans franchise and, and rightly so. They've been um, you know, really just kind of weak in the way they've handled things and the way their team is managed. Seems like a, a, a trade could happen. If it does, who can who can put together the best trade for Deshaun? Yeah, it seems that – well, first off, thank you. Uh, thank you, William, for uh, the <laughs> submission. We appreciate you. Um, but the, the way I'd go here is there's really only two teams that can put together a real package. I think he actually – from everything I've been hearing lately – Watson's basically it's almost a certain thing that he's not going to be on the Texans next year, which is, which is absolutely crazy. He's, he's they're They're going to have to put together something to, to get rid of him and get some assets back. And so the, the two teams that would be in best position are the Finns, like everyone's been hearing, they have, uh, they have some, they have two first round picks and then can also, uh, including, I think it's the third pick. Um, from the Texans, actually, it's kind of ironic, but they have the th- that third pick where they could probably take a quarterback there. They have another mid round first, uh, and then you know you could throw in two as well, and you know maybe another pick, um, and th- that would be plenty. Uh, you could draft whoever you want there at three, roll with Tua, um, take a shot there, uh, or the Jets. The Jets have the the second overall um, pick, and then they also have a- a- another first rounder. 
um, as well as putting in Darnold there. So where they could have, you know, maybe they also draft, um, you know, with the second overall pick, someone like Field, Justin Fields, but also have Darnold as an asset that they could package up as well, including some other picks. So I think between between the Jets um, and the Finns, they have the most compelling options in terms of existing quarterbacks as well, um, you know, kind of bundled together with these different draft draft this draft capital they have that's early first um but other than that you know the only other team that maybe maybe can make a run somehow uh the cowboys have Dak, and so if they want to just trade them straight up with a, a flip i i could see jerry jones maybe getting that done uh i don't know that that would be a good fix for for houston but that's a that's kind of a long shot yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. I hadn't thought much about Dallas possibly pulling that off. I think it'd be a long shot, but that's a that's definitely a fun one. Um, and I do agree with you that the uh, the Jets, in my opinion, have probably the most enticing offer to the Texans if if they do end up putting together any offer, or if Deshaun Watson's even on the table. Um, I I think. Uh, I like what you said about Sam Darnold being a part of that trade. And I think it'd be interesting for uh, Houston if they were to get Darnold and then flip him again for another pick. Cause we know they're struggling for picks. So uh, if they were to get him and then take a quarterback at two overall and flip Darnold for another pick, um, that'd be a smart play. But um, you know, I've, I've heard recently that uh, I think tomorrow, so Monday, uh, Eric Bieniemy is officially interviewing with the Texans. Um, that news broke about an hour ago. So um, I think the Texans are pulling out some last-minute, uh, you know, efforts to to see if they can reel Deshaun back into the franchise. But if he's gone, I think the Jets probably have the best package for him. So appreciate that question, Moss. That's a good one. Um, if we know yeah. if we know the Texans though, we know they'll they won't hire the enemy, and then they'll also probably all transact with the Dolphins, which is a worse offer, or maybe even yeah, they'll, even worse. they'll do they'll yeah. find a way to fuck it up. <laughs> they will. I have no faith in them figuring it out and getting it right. But the next question we got is from uh, Logan Bush, and he uh, he wants to know. Are you more disappointed with Breeze or more impressed with Brady? Watching that Saints uh, Bucks game this weekend, what are your thoughts there? I'm not throwing Breeze under the bus. Like a lot of it's like, I mean, dude, he's super old. He's like a normal guy. He's not like Brady, who's like bionic. So of course his body's breaking down. He just broke like half his rib cage. Uh, so yeah, I'm not. I mean, I mean Breeze just. He, he's deteriorating. Uh, that Bucks defense really showed out. They came with a good game plan, and, and they just beat him up. And so uh, I, I would say, I'd have to say out of respect for Breeze, I'm more impressed with Brady, even though he didn't play well. But, um, hey, he's back in another AFC championship, I think uh, – or, excuse me, just conference championship. I think he's – I think this would be his 14th um, conference title game, um, which is just absolutely ridiculous. So uh, probably – I'm going to go with Brady there. What about you? Yeah, so if we just narrow it down to last night's game, I would say I was more disappointed with Breeze. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're looking at you know the full season and where things are at with both teams, you have to say it's Brady and being more impressed with Brady than disappointed with Breeze. Uh, Breeze obviously had a bad game, but Tom Brady 
the way he's doing things and he's what 43 years old and still one of the best five quarterbacks in the sport you have to be impressed with that he's the greatest quarterback of all time his career's still going he's still fighting he is not really tailed off much at all uh, it's just impressive the way he's getting it done so that's a good question but i do think uh do you think brady is uh the more impressive uh, rather than breeze being uh, disappointed there. So thanks for that question, Logan. Uh, and another question kind of coming from that same game, another one from Moss, another question from Mo- uh, Will Moss. Is this going to be the end of the Saints Super Bowl chances or is Jameis Winston going to be able to step in next year if he's the guy for the Saints and, and you know, keep this team in contention? That's a great question, Moss. Uh, I'm going to go with yes. Uh, Sean Payton, they still got Sean Payton. They still got this roster, super talented roster. Yes, it's it's veteran, but I don't think just because they're losing Breeze, who is already pretty, I would say, average or below average this season, that they're going to really take a step back. Um, if Jameis gets in there and it, it, he's kind of gotten reined in a little bit by Breeze and the off, or excuse me, uh, Peyton in the office and staff is, uh, for the Saints. I think he he could probably provide, like we've been saying uh, we, on, in the past, more upside than Breeze even could this year. So um, I don't think the Super Bowl windows ever close with, with Sean Payton and a, and a talented roster in New Orleans. So, um, no, I, hope, I think Jameis just makes it even open even more, honestly. Yeah, I agree. And I, I actually think Jameis could improve their chances to, to win the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I didn't think the Saints were quite good enough to win it this year. And they probably aren't going to be a team that's, you know, heavily favored if, if Jameis is their quarterback anyway. But I do think, like you said, the upside is definitely there with Jameis. Um, you know, even if he is throwing a couple picks, he's also going to be throwing some touchdowns. And, and that's kind of what the, uh, the Saints missed with Bre- uh, Breeze this year. You really struggled some games to, to look downfield, to find guys, you know, more than 10 yards down the field. We know that's not the problem with Jameis Winston. So I think Jameis Winston can definitely keep this team in contention, keep the Saints fight, fighting, and uh, actually give them a shot at winning the Super Bowl still. So that's uh, that's another fun question. And, and we all know Jameis is uh, probably my favorite player in the league. So anytime we can uh, uh, get a Jameis question in there, I'm always uh, – in support of that. And then the, the last question we have regarding that same game um, in those two teams comes from Spencer Brewster. It is, do the Bucks have what it takes to waltz into Lambeau and take down the presumed MVP and Aaron Rodgers? We kind of, you know, touched on it already and we both picked the Packers. Um, but what, what exactly is it going to take for the, the Bucks to win if they were? Uh, if they can turn over Rodgers twice, uh, they can definitely win the game. Um, if the Packers don't turn the ball over, I don't really think the Bucks have – I just don't think they'll be able to hang with them offensively. Um, in Lambeau, I just – I don't like that. But, uh, I mean, dude, they got they got Tom Brady. I mean, they have they definitely have a chance to go into Lambeau and win. Uh, if their if their defense plays well and creates some turnovers and and I think Brady's gonna do his thing either way he's gonna keep the game pretty tight um, it's just a matter of uh, if 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 Rogers is does if Rogers goes nuts then I just don't think they can hang with them 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like I mentioned earlier, I think there's a, a very real situation where Brady has the ball with a minute 30 left and a chance to win it. And I think that's going to be the opportunity for the Bucs. If they play the game plan that just keeps the game close um, and, and gives Brady a chance at the end, they could win it. Um, I mean, we saw the regular season matchup between these two teams where the Bucs absolutely dominated. And a big part of it was because they were forcing turnovers. Easily Rodgers' worst game of the season. But you have to credit the Bucs defense for that bad game out of Aaron Rodgers. They took advantage of it. The you know had a pick six. I think they had another. I mean, we'll call it a pick six because they returned it to the one yard line and then you know ran it in on the next play. So the defense was really creating the scores, and I think the defense is going to have to step up huge for the Bucks if they want to have a shot. Um, so I'm with you there. That it's really going to come down to what the Bucks can do on defense and if the uh, they can turn Rodgers over a time or two. So. Uh, second question coming in from Brewster. Let's just assume worst case scenario, the Chiefs are as cautious as possible with uh, Patrick Mahomes, which, you know, I hope they are being cautious. I hope we are looking at the long-term future of this team when, uh, you know, evaluating serious nerve injuries like this. But let's say the Chiefs don't have Mahomes next weekend. Do they still have a chance and how is it going to affect Andy Reid in the Kansas City game plan? This is a hilarious question from Brewster. <laughs> um, we got you on the effect, though, by the way. We got you. Uh, yes, it will. First off, I'll answer this by saying having Henny in the game would, would definitely affect Andy Reid's game plan significantly uh, versus game planning with Mahomes. Um, and I don't think the Chiefs uh, would have much of a chance of winning this game. Uh, at all with with Chad Henney I love Henney thanks for getting it done Chad against uh against the Browns you those are some epic heroics but the Bills are just a different animal um you got to have an offense to keep pace with uh with Jalen and the way that team can move the ball Stephon Diggs um and those guys and so uh yeah Henney's Henney's not giving the Chiefs really much of a chance to win um but game plan yes so it would look significantly different I think anything is possible but no, the Chiefs wouldn't stand a chance. Um, I think the Bills would would roll if that were the case. Uh, really praying that is not the game we see. But um, you know, I think that if Mahomes is out, it's going to be tough for the Chiefs. We'd have to pray that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is back in the lineup and that our ground game is able to you know have the best game of their season. And that that'd be the only way we the Chiefs could could win this one without Mahomes, but good question there from Brewster. The final question we're going to gonna wrap up this NFL portion of the mailbag with just comes down to the NFL playoffs. I want to know Barton, in your opinion, what team that no one is talking about um, could actually make a Super Bowl run as soon as next season. Are there any teams that, you know, aren't there this year, obviously, but are being overlooked in terms of the, the future of their organization. Ooh, that's a good question. I think uh, I think the one that comes to mind before any of them, no one's talking about them. Uh, they're going pretty under the radar after a down year are the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I do think they're going to move off Garoppolo um, at, during this offseason and replace him with an upgrade. 
Uh, and we saw Garoppolo when that team's healthy and at full strength and Shanahan's, um, you know, in the, in his zone, um, they're a fourth quarter away from winning the Super Bowl. So uh, I think I think they could definitely make a run. Um, whoever they replace Garoppolo with, who I, I really feel strongly that they, they will move off him um, and get someone else in there. Uh, whoever, if as long as that person's an upgrade, which I can't imagine uh, they won't be. Um, yeah, I think I think that's the team I'd, I'd say who, who's got the best shot at, at making a legitimate run. Yeah, I like that answer a lot. That's a fun pick. Um, my answer is a team that we've been high on all year in terms of their development and their long-term future, but it's clearly a team that had no real championship aspirations in the next couple of years in the Dolphins. But I caveat it with saying that I would only make that pick if they do go and get Deshaun Watson. I think Deshaun Watson on the Dolphins is a title contender immediately and a team to watch out for. I think they they are better than the Bills in the AFC East if they were able to make that change at quarterback. So uh, that would be my pick there. It, it would take a lot to, to have that happen, but, uh, you know, we, we like everything the Dolphins have been doing in terms of building this team, in terms of Brian Flores and the coaching staff that's now there. Uh, Miami could be a fun pick for that one. Yeah, Watson and – in Miami playing for the fans and Flores and that division with, with Josh Allen. I mean, we got to make that happen. That's just good for the sport. It's good for the NFL. So uh, Goodell, help us out, man. Uh, our boy Watson's handcuffed in, in Houston. Get him to get him to South beach. Yeah. Well, let's make it happen. Uh, that's going to wrap it for the NFL portion of the mailbag. Um, we're going to pivot over to the NBA side of things and, uh, you know, catch you guys up on some of the latest happenings around the league, answer some of the questions that you guys had for us when it came to uh, the NBA and the uh, young season we're seeing right now. Um, so we'll be back to answer those after a quick break. Okay, NBA portion of the Point of Drew mailbag. We're starting off, question one from uh, from my guy, Jay Heisel. Uh, he asked, are they sons for real? As in, are they, are, they title, are they legitimate title contenders this year? So I really looked at this as two questions. Are the sons for real? Yes, the sons are for real. They're not a title contender yet, but that doesn't mean they're not for real. They're they're definitely not in that top tier with the LA teams out West, um, but they're in the tier right behind that. And that's still for real. Uh, this is a team who, who didn't make the playoffs obviously last year. And, you know, the hope was that they could sneak into a low playoff seed this year, maybe even just get to the play in tournament and, uh, you know, have a shot at upsetting someone in the play in tournament, but that's not the case. This Suns team looks like they are for real. They're, they're a team who's absolutely going to compete for a home court playoff series, um, which means be a top four team in the West. Uh, you know, Chris Paul and Devin Booker, they really haven't even quite gotten going yet. Uh, Booker's been having a lot of turnover issues, just hasn't, you know, been the uh, superstar top play, type player that we know he can be. DeAndre Ayton has not been stellar. Uh, and yet they're, they're still seven and five after a, a loss today, a tough one to the Grizzlies. But once Devin Booker gets going, gets back to his normal self that we know, this team's going to be dangerous. And 
A uh, big part of it has to do with the role players that have stepped up, like Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson. They've been incredible. Um, so, yeah, my answer, the Suns are not a title contender this year, but that doesn't mean they're not for real because this team is awesome. They're fun, and they're good. Hey, man, it all started in the bubble, baby. And, uh, you know, if they don't have anything else going for them, um, <laughs> based on what was reported on the No Jumper podcast, we know this team's pretty close. Um, so <laughs> they, they've, got, they've at least got that going for them. So um, good, good luck to the Suns. They are for real. <laughs> they are for real. And uh, Monty Williams, early coach of the year candidate for sure. For sure. Um, next question. I uh, did not see who this was submitted by. It must be anonymous. Um, so we know someone's out there hiding. But uh, thoughts on the James Harden trade? Is there a winner? Any losers? Yeah. So James Harden is now a Brooklyn net. It's weird to say. Um, I'm still getting used to it. He's, he's in the middle of his second game as a net right now. Uh, dropped a triple-double in, in the opener with the Nets. But, you know, the immediate thought is the Nets should now be the favorites to come out of the East. This is a team with as much, if not more, offensive firepower from a team we've ever seen. Um, I mean, it's crazy. James Harden is a top six player in the league. So is Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving is one of the most offensively gifted players in the history of the sport. The Nets are going to be really good, really, really good. So I'd say they win. I think they uh, they definitely improved their upside more than anyone else. I did like what Cleveland did in the trade, but it's not going to affect, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers with Jared Allen isn't a team that's going anywhere um you know further than they would be without them i think it's just good for their long term but the nets won the trade um i I wouldn't quite say there's a loser but i didn't love it for houston i really just have to believe there was a better offer out there it seemed like the uh, sixers had an offer on the table for ben simmons and matisse thibel and it sounds like uh the Rockets decided they were not going to make a trade that involved uh, a call with Daryl Morey um, and decided not to take the Sixers offer because of that relationship. But Ben Simmons and Matisse Thibel is a better deal for the Rockets. Um, so I think the Rockets kind of missed out. Uh, the, the Rockets ended up with Victor Oladipo, who's off to a great start this season. Um, you know, we're seeing flashes of him back from his, his all-star self. Um, but I don't believe he's going to want to stay in Houston after the season. And, you know, further the Rockets, they got for four first round picks in this trade and draft picks sound really great until they eventually become players. <laughs> and, you know, unfortunately that's the way I see it. We have to wait and see how Houston uses those picks, but until then I'm pretty mad on the entire deal from the Houston side of things, but the Nets want it. Yeah, it's a bummer that uh, that the Maury card had to really get in the way there. Um, I think probably just past issues with Fertitta, the, the Rockets owner, and not not being able to get that deal through. But I, I agree that package was definitely uh, more interesting than getting old Ebo. So interesting stuff on that Harden trade. He's now a Brooklyn Net. Crazy, crazy world we're living in. Uh, another question on the Nets, of course, from uh, from our guy Will Moss. Who should the Nets try to add to build out their roster uh, now that they've made this trade? Yeah, so I've got a couple ideas, and I won't go too deep into this because it is a 
It's just a really deep dive here, but I, I mean, that's what I love. Um, so looking at this Brooklyn roster, they definitely need some changes. Uh, I'm not changes, just additions. They have three open roster spots available. Um, they have their five, they have um, 5.7 million tax left. Um, they have the minimum exception and they're likely going to be getting a 5.7 million disabled player exception from the Spencer Dinwiddie injury um so i have a few ideas that they could um you know use to to add to that roster and uh, i think a lot of these come with a defensive improvement in mind so uh, i think they do need another center on the roster and kylo quinn or jordan bell um are two two names that are free agents right now that probably should be on rosters i think kylo quinn would be my pick of those two players but um, those are some names that Net should look at. A couple wing guys uh, that I like, it, one being O'Shea Brissett, who was cut by the Raptors earlier this year um, and just signed to the G League. But he uh, he's he'd be a little bit more of a project, and I think the, the Nets are probably looking for more of a veteran who can just come in, fill a role immediately. Um, and in that case, it'd be Damari Carroll would be a, a solid backup wing. Um and then lastly, I do think a backup point guard could be uh, could be worth a look for the Nets. So uh, a couple names there would be looking at Shabazz Napier, bringing him back to the to the Nets. Um, he's a guy that should be on a roster for sure right now. He's a good player. Um, so that would be smart. Or if the Nets really wanted to lean all the way into the defensive side of things, get as good defensively as they can with those uh, open roster spots, I would look to Gary Payton the second. Um, he's one of the best young defenders there is. Uh, he can't do anything on on the offensive side of the court, but his defense is awesome. So if the Nets really wanted to lead into that defense, go for Gary Payton, man. Man, I didn't even didn't even know Gary Payton was around. I, I wasn't sure who Brissett is either, but that's some some interesting insight. I know Kyle O'Quinn. Um, and I like the, the Shabazz Napier shot. I think he, like you mentioned, deserves to be on a, on a roster. So we'll see, we'll keep an eye out and see if the Nets add any of those pieces, but all good stuff in terms of how they should fill out their, their roster. Now that, that James Harden is on it and, uh, many of their other players are not, um, moving on to the next question. Um, this one comes from Griffin Zeller, good friend of the pod, uh, McDonald's reviewer in the past. Uh, which rookies have looked the best so far and then which have kind of been disappointed? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, appreciate Zeller for, for tossing that in. Um, but yeah, so when it comes to the rookies this far, uh, there are a couple names that I just didn't quite expect to uh, click right away. Peyton Pritchard being one of them. He's been nice. Uh, really good addition for the Celtics. Did not expect that. Um I loved both of the uh, Grizzlies picks and and Xavier Tillman and Desmond Bain, and they've been really good, um, especially lately having to step up into some bigger roles with the injuries to some of the Grizzlies starters. Um, So they've been fun, but there are three rookies in particular that have really impressed me. Uh, I think Emmanuel quickly for the Knicks has been awesome. A really fun surprise. Uh, I, I liked him. I even threw his name out as a sleeper for rookie of the year on our NBA preview pod. Um, and, and he's kind of looking like he is that sleeper. He's, he looks like he could be the Knicks long-term answer at point guard. He's been fun. Um, 
Another guard is uh, Tyrese Halliburton. He has been hyper efficient. He plays like an eight-year vet just in terms of, you know, how smart he is. He never turns the ball over. He's shooting over 50% from three. Um, you know, he's everything the Kings were hoping that he could be when, you know, he fell down to them in the draft. So Halliburton has been awesome. Um, but the rookie that just looks like the best, who looks like the superstar that we thought he might be, is LaMelo Ball, hands down, has been awesome. Um, I'm pretty sure right now he leads rookies in points, rebounds, and assists. Um, he's been shooting at a higher percentage than we expected, and he hasn't been turning the ball over like some people thought he would as he adjusts to the NBA. He's looking like a future star, no doubt. I love it for LaMelo. He's been the best rookie so far. Yeah, LaMelo really running away with, with rookie of the year so far, but I like some of those other guys you mentioned. Emmanuel Quickly, um, you and I both are big fans of his. He's an absolute baller. Um, we'll take, we're not afraid of the moment at all. Um, and you've definitely seen that so far. Uh, and then Tyrese Halliburton, I didn't even know he was shooting the ball that well. Um, we've all heard uh, his abil- about his ability as a playmaker. And I, I got to ask you a follow-up. Do you think the Suns, who as good as they've been this year, are they kicking themselves over not, over not taking Halliburton there? Yeah, I would say so. So they, they drafted Jalen Smith, uh, a center. Goggles from Maryland. Yeah, and, and really he uh, he hasn't gotten much run at all this year. He's, you know, getting a lot of DNPs. Um, and maybe that's fine right now. Maybe the, uh, the Suns still see him as like a long-term option. Um, so I'm going to wait and see on him. But, man, this Suns team with Halliburton too would be incredible. So, uh, you know, it'd be fun if, if Halliburton was able to, uh, to be a son. So, I mean, he's shooting 51% from three right now, having 11 points a game off the bench. The Suns could use that for sure. Um, so that's yeah. a good question. I like that. That'd be fun to, to watch Halliburton in that in Phoenix. hundred uh, percent. A couple more here. Um, well, the second to last question, we'll end it with, uh, with the final one, but, uh, any coaches on the hot seat early? Yeah, uh, it's a good question. And the answer is yes, there are some coaches on the hot seat early. Uh, you know, we're only through 12-ish games of the year for, for most teams. Um, but there are two clear guys that are on the hot seat immediately to start this season right out of the gate. Scott Brooks and Lloyd Pierce. Um, so Scott Brooks, the, the Washington Wizards head, head coach, Obviously dealt a tough hand. Um, I think the ownership with Ted Leonis in Washington sucks. Um, and, and, you know, it all starts there. And some of the moves they made, obviously, are looking questionable from their GM, Tommy Shepard. So tough hand for Scott Brooks. But the, the Wizards look like they have a few nice pieces and they might just need to blow it up, you know, trade uh, Bradley Beal and start this rebuild. Brooks has really struggled to put together any offense around Beal. The Wizards have been horrible on defense. Uh, it's just kind of a mess, and Brooks is likely going to be the culprit uh, to, to get the first head coach fired this season. That wouldn't surprise me. I think he's likely at the door soon. So Scott Brooks is, is number one on that list, but I think second, and a close second, is Lloyd Pierce of the Atlanta Hawks. It's just tough, man. I mean, look at that Hawks roster. They have talent at every position. They have talent off the bench. They have young guys who 
are ready to break through and improve, but everyone just looks lost out there. Their talent does not match their on-court product. They're just always out of place. There's really no flow to their game. Things just aren't clicking. Um, And, you know, the Hawks went all in on making the playoffs this year. And, you know, through the first five games of the season, it looked, they looked great, but everything since then has been horrible. Trey young has really struggled a lot. Um, And when you have a player like him, you need to be able to design an offense that really utilizes him best. Um, You know, some of it just has to do with Trey young's shooting um, and some of the shots he takes, but you need to design stuff better for him. Just don't see him looking comfortable out there. And at some point, that comes back to the coaching. So I think the Hawks need some major changes. He uh, is definitely on the hot seat. You think uh, you think they'd be better off having Budenholzer back? They would, yeah, because, I mean, as we know, Budenholzer is uh, definitely a defensive-minded guy, and uh, the Hawks could use some sort of uh, figuring out on the defensive end. So what about, they'd probably uh, be better off. What about a little straight-up trade? Cam Reddish, they send Cam Reddish to Milwaukee for Budenholzer. Do you think they get that deal could get done? Uh, I would hope so because I I don't think the Bucks should be too happy with Budenholzer either. I don't think uh, uh, you know if the Bucks fall apart again this year, he's gonna be gone. So maybe it just makes it easy for the Hawks and they can uh, bring Budenholzer back after a, another failure with the Bucks this year if they don't get it done in the playoffs. We'll see, man. It may happen. It might. It just might. Yeah. Um, but moving on, final question for this NBA mailbag. Um, through the first month of the season, is there a team that looks way better than you're expecting and it, or a team that's work, looking way worse than you're expecting? Yeah, so first off, I owe an apology to the Oklahoma City Thunder. They've been awesome so far. They're 500 right now. I thought they were going to be the worst team in the NBA by a solid margin, and they've definitely not been. Um, so they, they've been a surprise. But I think the team who is actually playing much better than I expected is the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, they've been a ton of fun this year, which, you know, to call the Spurs fun is something we're not really used to. We're used to good, solid Spurs teams, but we're not used to, like, young, fun Spurs teams. And they have an interesting dynamic. Uh, you know, strange mix of kind of the old stars and LaMarcus Aldridge, DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay, Patty Mills, but they also have some really good young talent. Um, and so they've been playing fast. Keldon Johnson looks like he's a future stud really stepping up this year. Um, and then a ton of Spurs guards who've just been incredible to start the season. So I really didn't have faith the Spurs would, you know, be in the playoff picture prior to the season, but I definitely believe they're good enough now to, to be a solid playoff team. So Spurs are my answer. They're surprising me. Is there anyone um, to contrast them who's been much worse than expected? Yeah. So this has been my, uh, my disappointment so far. And I will say I'm not, I'm not fully disappointed because I'm taking the, the long game in this one and hoping it it does get turned around, and I have faith that it will. But the answer for that is the Raptors. It's been it's an easy answer, too. They've looked much worse than they should. They just really haven't looked too great, sitting at 4-8 and eight right now. But like I said, I'm not too concerned. Um, with that said, they definitely have a lot to figure out. Norman Powell looks like he would be better off playing in, in Europe or China. 
He does not look like an NBA player right now. Um, you know, they have some holes on the roster. They haven't quite figured out the their lineups or the, the starting position with Aaron Baines. Chris Boucher looks like he's been a, a huge plus for this team, and, and he's been a surprise player that has really stepped up and looked awesome. But they're still just not winning games. Uh, I'm holding off on counting them out for now, but, um, you know, I'd be lying if I said their on-court performance so far was anything more than mediocre on both sides of the ball. So little, uh, little disappointed, a little bit worried uh, with the Raptors. It's pretty shocking to hear out of a, a Nick Nurse coach team, but I guess that's just how it's gone the first month. We're only a month in, a lot, a lot of basketball left, but um, that'll do it for the NBA mailbag. Fun episode right here. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad we got a mailbag. It's the first time we've done the mailbag, and we had some fun questions. Uh, definitely appreciate everyone who submitted a question. Um, we'll definitely do another mailbag again soon, but this was good, and, and another solid episode, Point of Drew podcast, man. We'll be back uh, next week. Another uh, another week of football left. Uh, final final round before the Super Bowl, the conference championships. Um, NFC, we got Brady uh, versus Rodgers in the AFC. We got Jalen Mahomes. I, I can't wait. Um, so we'll be back uh, around this time next week to break it all down. I can't wait. Absolutely, man. I'm looking forward to it. We will be back, like you said. In the meantime, appreciate you guys listening, but continue to, uh, you know, share the pod with everyone you know. Get it out there and, and like, rate, review, and above all, subscribe. Yep, smash that subscribe, baby. We'll see you all next week. Peace. Peace.